We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Pro wrestling time. It feels like a lot has happened since the last time we sat down and talked. No, we don't have a pay-per-view to preview. We're still ramping up, building towards SummerSlam on the side of the WWE, building towards NXT TakeOver, which isn't on the road and kind of looks like we know why now. And then... Also, we have AEW debuting a new show coming up this week. We have, oh man, New Japan that happened, but I haven't watched, so we can only touch on that surface level. So hard to be, you know, to keep up with everything this week. But I promise you guys, I promise you that I will watch it, and I will be all caught up by the time we get to G1. And man, there's just so much going on in the world of pro wrestling. Did I almost mention that we're going to talk about all of the NXT cuts that just happened this week? Of course we are. It's trending. We're just going to give our thoughts on it. And of course, our thoughts, no inside sources, what's going on in their background, what this means for the future of NXT and WWE. But first, starting kind of where we left off last episode with hip hop and Dre. There's polar opposites from when we last talked hip hop. We have Nas dropping an album when he's supposed to and delivering what you expected and many fans expected by naming this King Disease 2. And on the other hand, we have Mr. West, who was lifted to the heavens like he said, beat me up, Scotty, and took the album with him and still... Still haven't seen Donda's streaming services. All that I've seen is a bunch of people buying his stupid bulletproof vest so they can look like S.H.I.E.L.D. cosplayers. Why, why did Kanye get all the chatter on Thursday, Friday morning? Come on, and it seems why? like Nas flew under the radar, except for the... The true hip hop heads where you're like, yo, have you guys listened to Nas? Yo, have you heard this Nas joint? By the way, Nas has Lauren Hill. Yo, this Nas joint is crazy. And there was like a comparison, a handful. What why are people so fascinated with 
the cult of Kanye. Because you just called it. It's a cult, right? Like, look, man, I'm getting to the point now. Like, I got asked to write something else about Kanye. I was like, I'm not doing it, right? I can't. <laughs> I can't write about this fucking guy anymore. He should know. Like, right, but I am going to write something probably. And it has a lot to do with Tyler, the creator. Because if anybody, if you haven't watched this Hot 97 interview yet, you must. You absolutely must. It is a fantastic 90-minute conversation uh, with Ebro, Laura, and uh, Peter about his career. And I'm more interested in talking about how Tyler Creator has progressed as a creative and as an artist from where he was 10 years ago than where Kanye has regressed as a creator and as an artist. They're two, they've gone two totally different directions. And this, if you look 10 years ago from today, that is 2011. Damn, that's, that sounds like it wasn't that long ago. But you look at 2011, Watch Throne was out, had just came out. And Kanye, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was right around the corner. And 808 to Heartbreaks, Kanye was a peak, almost like right at his peak. He had recently lost his mother a few years ago, but it felt like creatively he was in a good space. Tyler and our future had just got on and the kids love Tyler. Yeah. And to me, I, I was never a big fan, right. Of our future <laughs> at all in the beginning. Now I've talked about like our <laughs> indiscretions being <laughs> with the homies and Tudo boys. Yes. That's one thing, but it really started because I, I just didn't, I felt like their music in the beginning was very shock value centered. Um, even though Tyler, like you can hear that Tyler had was like the voice alone from Tyler was incredible. Yeah. And he could spit. Like you could tell, like he has some song on Goblin about like Dracula that was like the craziest shit. The lyrics yeah. are bananas. But his wordplay and rhyme style, like you're like, oh, this guy could spit. Like if he right. had to, he could spit. So like when they first came out, I would I just was like, man, I don't like this shock rap shit. It felt very gimmicky, but I, f- I knew that there was talent underneath it. I just never thought he'd be able to find it. I thought because he had such a big following with this with the kids, and I'm not just saying like kids are like under 21, the youth, like a lot of people gravitated towards Tyler and the shock value rap, kind of like how white America gravitated towards Eminem, right? So I felt like maybe Tyler would never feel like he needed to go above that. But then from Flower Boy to Igor to uh, Call Me If You Get Lost, the level of musicality and understanding and caring for your art and caring for the people that listen to your art has gone to another level. Call Me If You Get Lost is still my album of the year. Still. And, like, I've listened to Nas. I'll have to listen to it some more. But no, Tyler Creator's got the album of the year. And... If you listen to this Hot 97 interview, he's talking about caring. The reason why he enjoyed the um, the verses between Dipset and the locks is you could tell Jada cared about what he was doing because he was like, yo, I'm from New York. We rap over beats. We don't rap over lyrics. He's like, this motherfucker, he cares. Tyler cares. And he talks about the things that he cares about. He talks about like reference points. He's a, it's never, it felt like everything that Tyler talked about was an experience that he learned from over the past decade. Flip this to Kanye. What has Kanye learned in the last 10 years about fucking anything? Nothing. Nothing. No, he's, he's backpedaled on what his values were 10 years ago. Maybe yeah, that's has, learning, though. Wait, Maybe. wait, wait. No, 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 no. He hasn't backpedaled. I've said this before. We, the remnants of who Kanye is has, have always been there. We wanted him to be something else. 
We wanted him to be George Bush doesn't care about black people. We wanted him to be the renaissance for like the, the bridge, the gap between underground and commercial hip hop, which he did. But he but we wanted Kanye to be more to the culture and the community than Kanye ever felt. And I'll give you the perfect example. Go back to the early interviews when he talks about who he idolized. Walt Disney, Steve Jobs, Ralph Lauren. Yeah, those are the people, the, the biggest capitalists in the fucking world. Right. Who are not black who didn't change much of anything. Like, listen, I give Walt Disney and Steve Jobs, obviously I give them their props, but they were businessmen. They were businessmen at the end of the day. Even though Walt Disney was a creator, it ended up being a business for him. And capital, that's all Kanye's ever cared about. Ralph Lauren, capital. He didn't say uh, Carl Kanai. He didn't say Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, or he, that's never where, where his principles have lied. His principles are, have been about being popular and being rich. That's it. There's never been an ounce of Kanye that was conscious. Never. Because those songs that came out, he didn't write them. Jesus Walks, crack music, he didn't write them. Because you spit an arbitrary bar about kids getting murdered in Chicago, anybody can do that. That's surface level. Kanye's always been surface level. So you take the last 10 years, and even my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, if you really think about this, I love the album, but do we love it because of Kanye or do we love it because he assembled the right amount of guests? It's really a DJ Khaled album on steroids. It is. Shout out to Justin Ivey, who is, that's the reason why he says it's not a classic. And every time we talk to him about it in the group chat, he's always like, yo, it's just a DJ Khaled album. I don't like it, which is crazy because it seems like he's doing the exact same formula for this album. So this is just like, he's reverting 10 years ago to that formula and trying to put out a very similar album from what I've heard on this listening session. But in terms of Kanye learning, like you said, if those were his goals 10 years ago, and that's what he strived to be. And he strived to be a capitalist. He strived to be creatively free, but also immensely paid for that creativity like those three people that you mentioned then he learned how to become them he was that's what he's that's no no no. he wasn't kanye yeezy sneakers he wasn't adidas deal super avant-garde fashion wearing a black mask with all white on the ground doing push like the aesthetics he wasn't that person he was over the past decade he learned how to be that he got a fashionista wife he kim kardashian was a stat i mean i'm not discounting their relationship they probably loved each other but being in that circle and falling in love with someone of that circle was another sign that he was heading in the right direction everything he's done the past 10 years has been closer to get to his goal so he learned Tyler's goal the past 10 years, as many people's goal is during their 20s, is to get better and learn who you are and be comfortable within your skin. That wasn't Kanye's goal. That all falls down, all that shit was like vulnerable, whether he wrote it or not, vulnerable Kanye. I want to, I know what I want to rhyme about. I have to find my voice. I have to, you know, make sure I'm a star. He found out he was a star and he was like, fuck it, cool. I want to be this now. And he spent the past 10 years 
going that away. Tyler spent his 10 years very differently. He spent his 10 years like most people do. You find yourself, you mature. He's not, he doesn't apologize for the wild shit he said on Goblin and 10 years ago and who he was as an 18-year-old superstar or 19-year-old superstar and people hate it. Like, that was just who I was. But he doesn't believe a lot of that shit now. He said it grew. And a lot of people should grow. Kanye wanted to grow not emotionally, not personally. And we see that and people are like, oh, he suffered from mental illness and all this stuff. He does. Um, I'm sure he's wanting to fix that or get better and everything. But his goal wasn't to grow as a person anymore. His goal was to grow as a corporation. He learned how to do that. And now he's selling $50 chicken nuggets. Yeah, I mean, oh, so there's a couple of points of contention. One, when you say most 20-year-olds want to grow, that's not true. It's not, especially when you're a star, because think about this. Most artists in their 20s, their best album is their first album, and it's all downhill from there. Very few are able to recover because there is a comfort in making it and then saying, well, I ain't really got to do much anymore. I could just uh, continue shout to Shout out me. to Nas. Yeah, it's like you make it, and then it's like, well, we'll talk about Nas in a second. Nas has had a different career arc, and it's very fascinating. Yes. But most artists... They put out their debut album and then from there, they're just making music because what ends up happening is you're no longer just making music. Your, your first album is always you spent all these years to make it. You have had no other distraction but to make this album. Then this album comes out. Now you tour. Now you have, you know, interviews. Now you have other opportunities. So your second, third and fourth album, you're not as focused. A lot of artists just aren't. They're not as focused on the music because now there's a clock. The label wants it at a certain time. Now you have to, some people rush it. Now you have access to artists that you didn't have access to before, right? And so now you're trying to make different music or you're trying to go with the trends. Most artists don't grow. Most artists get stuck. And then they figure out somewhere in their 30s, Royce, for instance, that, oh shit, this, doing this shit got me nowhere. I might as well just go back to doing me and focusing on the thing that got me there in the first place. Tyler's different because it's not just rapping. It's the musicality of what he's putting out. Like if you listen to him talk about like chord progression, if you listen to him talk about moments in songs, like this is a lot of stuff that resonates with me. And I was like, oh my God, this, this dude is like seriously caring about what he does. Most rappers care about rapping. Tyler cares about the music. Where this differs from Kanye is Kanye has made his music in his head. You've never heard Kanye say, I need to improve. I need to get better. Now we have a version of Kanye who is just kind of putting things out without necessarily caring what, not, I'm not saying you care what people think, but how do I make the best product, right? You made the life of Pablo and you remixed that shit like four times before it was ever really truly in the masses. <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's neurotic. When you talk about Kanye, learning to be uh, this, this corporation and this cult that he is now. But the, the pieces were there in 2010. There was a time when Kanye's always talked about fashion. That's all he's ever talked about, really, if you think about it. He's never talked about rapping. His favorite rapper's Mace. I don't know if that still holds true, but he's <laughs> your favorite rapper's Mace, dog. Like Probably Jay-Z now. Eh, maybe, maybe not. But Kanye's always talked about being rich and fashion and Ralph and all these other things. Like you got to remember that our, the debate with Sway was quite a while ago now. Like these, this piece, this Kanye has been here for a while. And before it was Kim, it was Amber Rose. 
right? Yeah, he found Amber, but yeah, sure. I mean, that was kind of organic, but sure. I'm just saying, before Kim, it was Amber Rose, but Kanye's always been on this wave about being an entity or, and like I tweeted about a God complex and people are like, what do you mean? God? No, he's got a God complex. You'll never hear Kanye say somebody's really good or better than him. He's threatened by people who are better than him. Drake, for instance, right? Sure. And he takes a lot of things personally. You got to, there's a, there was a time. And if any journalists are listening to this podcast, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. In the two thousands, Kanye used to get mad at quote unquote black publications and there was a time that he went on strike and he refused to interview with Vibe, Double XL, The Source. Anybody who was with a black publication, he wouldn't talk to them. He would only talk to Rolling Stone, white people. There's the other thing about Kanye that separates him from a lot of artists. He cares so much about what white people think. I mean, that's part of the plan then, right? Like it. If you're idolizing this, these certain three people, and you know to get to that level, the people that hold that wealth, again, getting a deal like Adidas, being on Paris Fashion Week, all of these things, I, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I'm not shocked because no. that's where he wanted to go. I mean, yes, I'm not shocked by this at all, but I'm just saying like the pieces were already there. Like everything he's doing is there, and now he's here, and now he does stadium listening sessions two of them now two of them two and listen charles manson couldn't have a cult without the people so the people are just as much to blame about kanye west as kanye west this motherfucker sold out the mercedes-benz stadium twice for two different fucking albums that aren't out and charged people 50 dollars fucking chicken fingers and 20 to 100 dollars a seat to listen to an album that is not out yet by the way, I saw someone on Amazon sold a bag of air from the latest listening session for $7,000. This is a cult. This, this is a cult. And I, again, it's just as much as the people as a Kanye. Furthermore, it's just as much as the media. Complex tweets a list of everybody that's on Kanye's second listening session because half of those people weren't on the first fucking one. But the, the, he li- they dropped this list and they were like, certified classic. What the fuck are you doing? How, how dare you post a list of guests and say that's a certified classic without the, hearing it. <laughs> where's the music? Where is the, you're just as responsible because all you're doing is fueling the Kanye bus. He doesn't care. He thinks he's got a classic now because complex said he did. And the thing about hip hop media, more importantly, when Kanye was like, I don't want to talk to black media. You think the source is just a bunch of black people. You think double XL, the editor in chief was Vanessa Satin, a white woman. These, these publications at this time, especially in the mid 2000s, this is something that I can I can spend a whole lot of time talking about how hip hop journalism isn't as black as y'all think it is. And Kanye was over here getting offended for reasons I don't know, because he wanted he wanted a classic album. He felt like he deserved it. And I ended up being the one that gave it to him. Me. I did that. No other publication did that. I did that. I, to be fair, didn't you want to give it like 4.75? I, yeah, I didn't feel like, but for me, because I wasn't the editor-in-chief of the publication, I didn't feel like it was up to me to give an album a classic because that's putting a lot of weight on the publication because nobody's going to read my byline. Nobody reads, even though Miss Info Minya is the one responsible for Nas's Illmatic 5 mic rating, everybody goes to source gave it 5 mics. It's a collective decision at the top. 
And when I submitted my review, Bonsu called me and was like, what do you think about giving this five? I was like, I could. I feel like at this point he kind of deserves it, but I didn't want to make that judgment call by myself. So I stick to like a four and a half, if that's cool with y'all. And then Combat Jack called me and was like, you know, reading your review and going through this album, and mind you, I had this album for a few weeks before it came out. I think we can go with five. Is that fair? And they asked me, is that okay? I was like, that's cool. We can do that. Three black people. Me, Bantu, Combat Jack. Combat Jack, rest in peace. But Kanye's over here catering to a different demographic. The Pitchfork kids. The yeah. white kids who are fascinated with black culture but don't want to be a part of it. That's what Kanye is. Tyler is a black kid who remains black but is fascinated with things that are not necessarily what we would consider black culture once upon a time. That's the shift. Tyler embraces who he is as a person, still has his nerd qualities about him, loves it, embraces it. Like, I can't play basketball. I, I don't do none of that shit. But chord progression, music, him and Pharrell get along very well. These are black kids that love being black and will talk about black things and know who they are, but won't try to pull the wool over your eyes like I'm some kind of politician. Kanye tries to be something he's not, smart. So, can you be manipulative on that level and not be smart? Yes. Celebrities don't aren't smart, dude. No, I mean he's he's now exceeded the level of celebrity, right? Like, there's uh, uh, clearly celebrity. You don't have to be smart to be a celebrity. To get to his levels of success, I'm just again, I'm, I'm removing it from what I personally feel about him or anything to attain his levels of success in different areas, in different mediums as he has, and not only establish wealth, but status. Not every artist can do that. Not every superstar can do that. It takes a level. And if you want to say manipulation, then yeah, sure. Like the way he got there and attained it, um, you know, he didn't want to stand on the backs of hip hop culture or black culture. And he, he's seeked out other things to attain where he is today. But with all that, you kind of have to be smart to do that. Now, I, I wouldn't follow him, but he's smart enough to manipulate situations for the better for his gain over and over and over whether you're manipulating dumb people along the way is neither here nor there because not everyone can manipulate dumb people not everyone can galvanize a sea of dumb and he has been able to do i'm sure he has a team and a bunch of people around him that help and he's found these people and amassed his team to take advantage of people who will buy the shell of a sneaker. His latest sneaker was a shell. Wasn't even the whole fucking thing. They'll buy that for $800 because now it's just attached to your name and your brand. And he knows where to toe the line between, oh my God, that's so unique, Kanye. Oh my God, Kanye did all this. Yeah, he has mental illness. Like he's struggling. That's why he did that. Oh, well, Kanye's back or he, he divorced Kim. Instead of saying like, oh, divorce is horrible for children or maybe there's stuff on both ends. You know, Kanye moved to a whole fucking state and left his wife. No, instead of saying any of that, it's like, well, I'm glad he got away from Kim. Well, we got an old Kanye back. See, look, and it's just he's been able to lead in a way that's very different than other entertainers. There's other people in history, other people throughout history who have led like this and have followings 
like this. I don't know if we've seen it from an entertainer per se. This isn't Michael Jackson, people passing out because his talent's so supreme and he's just transcended what we believed was entertainment. These are people following for a completely different reason. And I'm not dumb enough to understand, but I mean, I'm not dumb enough to follow it. Like I just, he doesn't appeal to me. I understand, I see the bullshit, but somehow he's been smart enough to hide the bullshit from so many. See, I don't think it has anything to do with intelligence whatsoever. I think Kanye is a talented, creative person. He is, you can't deny that the, the man is creative and he loves to think outside of the box. And that is the reason why he's gotten to the point where he was. Cause let's be, let's be really honest. When Kanye came out, it was a lot of success has to do with being at the right place at the right time. And he was at the right place at the right time with the blueprint, because how many times have we talked about this? I always thought just blaze did better on the blueprint than Kanye did. Yeah. Kanye is a more eccentric personality that people gravitated towards the car accident. As bad as it was, it helped. It helped. Yeah, unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, again, he used that to help. He marketed but, not, the hell out of it. but he, he didn't, think to it wasn't Kanye's not smart enough to try to manipulate the situation he just wanted to make music that's who he was at that time he just wanted to be creative and like that's all he's ever really wanted to be but the things that he's fascinated with about the people that we talked about are how they built these followings not about what they knew as individuals I don't think he's smart I don't think he manipulates anything I think what he does is leverages celebrity knowingly or not knowingly, because he's the same person to me that he was 20 years ago. Nothing's really changed, but his tax bracket. Now he's put it, the room that he wanted to put himself in a long time ago. He's in those rooms now still being Kanye. But the thing about celebrity is you get drunk with power and you think you're smarter than what you are. And you think you don't have to improve and you think you can just put out this music, but people are sheep. That's the, that's the kicker. Smart. I'm not saying everybody that follows Kanye. No, I'll, I'll say this. If you're a fan of Kanye's music, that doesn't make you a sheep. If you are a sycophant, that makes you a dumb person. That makes you a sheep. And there's way more of them in this world that follow celebrity culture, reality TV era, like all these things that have little to do with talent, but more to do with the personality. The cult of personality is what Kanye is. So as we fast forward now to this, Donda album that still isn't out and now has a new release date of August 13th and it turned to the 15th about three hours ago. <laughs> there is nobody, there's no checks and balances for Kanye, right? And for him, there shouldn't be. For him, when he wants to make his music, make it out. But for the consumer to get grifted by the grifter, you have to say, I ain't coming to another fucking listening session. Put out the fucking album. That's what y'all have to do. The album's going to be free, technically, because if you have Apple Music or Tidal, like, you're going to get the shit for free. Why are you paying $100 to listen to it two weeks early when it's just going to change again? I mean, it's neither here nor there, but that's, that's what Kanye is doing, is he's capitalizing on the attention that he currently has in order to bring an audience to worship him. You think that anything he has done has been nothing less than for him to be worshipped? You think this gospel album was nothing less for him to be worshipped? Like, when I posted that, somebody posted a video that Complex, again, Post a video of Kanye in Atlanta and he's parting fans like the Red Sea. Right. Mm. And he's, and I was like, oh, and they were like, oh, he came to save the city. And I was like, that's a guy complex. And he, people were like, no, he's just kindly asking people to move aside. You mean some of that motherfucker couldn't walk around? How many celebrities do you see 
walk through the middle of a crowd and then do their hands like parting the Red Sea and then tell the security, watch this. Watch that video again. <laughs> no, definitely. You know what I'm saying? It, I think that was in Chicago, by the way. Yeah, was it Chicago? Whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. city they said it was. Yeah, city. that was before like a like it was a concert he threw like in the park. And yeah, he walked through like everyone. That's a guy, like he's leveraging his power. He's leveraging being worshipped. This isn't about his music anymore. And it hasn't been for a long time. This is about Kanye, the cult of personality. So let's talk about Nas real quick. Real quick, before you go to Nas. The thing that's still hanging in there with all that being said about Kanye is he may have a very good album on his hands. He could. He He's could. reached out to the locks. Now locks are huge on the verses. He got the locks verses or, you know, a locks verse for the album in like two days. All these people, Kid Cudi's back. Um, Jace verse still obviously on there, I guess. I don't know. But is it the same the verse? I, I didn't hear the song. Okay. Played again. I just saw him on the track listing, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still listed on track listing. He has all these names. Um, uh, what? Chance is on there on the song. He has all these names, much like uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, like where it's, it gives you that vibe and people who are in attendance. And if you watch it, the quality is not like superb, but this one was better quality. And you can hear the music and be like, yo, he might have something on his hands then what? Because I've, I've always been a big proponent of, I separate the artist from the art, right? Like I, I don't have to, it could be a shitty human being, but if I like their art, like I'm a Joe Budden fan, like I can't fucking defend Joe Budden, right? Like as a person, but I understand what the music is. I feel like if Kanye has a joint, he, he has a joint. I can't argue against him putting out good music still. I, I'll believe it when I see it or hear it, but I feel like, what if it is a classic? Do you think he will then have, this is weird, but will the sect of people who are like, no, this motherfucker is wearing a MAGA hat, I don't care. Will there be a cancel culture-esque backlash against it? Or do you think he's, he's surpassed that already? Um, two things. One, I could care less about the guests because the album's not done, right? I don't give a shit. It's DJ Khaled, man. It's just, you just he ain't put a bunch cutting of people, people out there. He's going to add people. He ain't cutting are you, people. Are you sure about that? Are you sure yeah, about that? I'm not Here's positive. Because Kendrick Lamar was originally on Father Stretch My Hands, and he's not on the album. Yeah, I'm not positive. Yeah. If, you don't know. if your verse is too dope, you might be cut. It, not even if it's too dope. If Kanye just doesn't feel like using it anymore. He's in the, he's he's kind of he's just all over the place. Like we don't know what this is. That's why I have a problem with people in a listening session. Like, unless you're a journalist in a confined place listening to an album, I don't think you can run out there and call anything a classic, right? It's not really fair to the art because you're not really consuming the art in a setting that allows you to consume it. You're more consumed with the spectacle than the art. Correct. The man's living in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is also ridiculous, and doing live streams from what appears to be a very cell-like bedroom that he has structured for himself like i don't know if that's supposed to depict the struggle like sir yeah. you're, you're not in jail like you people are confined to these things every day with you know against their will for doing things you're not in jail you're renting out a one by one or 10 by 10 foot space or like a million dollars a day like that's the epitome of privilege i bet you he's not paying anymore 
Hell no, he held two giant listening sessions. Uh, he hasn't been paying in a while. Mercedes-Benz looks at this as marketing now. I, I believe it. So, so yeah, I could care less about the track listing. I could care less about any of this until I see the final product. I, I, I don't care. Now, the second thing, could Kanye have a great album on his hands? Yeah, he could. And then I listen to it and I go, it's a great album. I will say it. This is a really fucking good album. Fuck him. That's my second sentence. Still. <laughs> straight up. Like, look, man, you can make, if you make good music, I'm not going to take that part away from you because I, I, that's not me. I'm not going to say the music is whack just because I don't like you. I'm going to say you're whack, but you make good music. Kanye to me hasn't made good music since my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. I didn't like you. Sorry. That was before all this magazine stuff. I didn't like Yeezus. It was like, noise to me. Life um, of Pablo was quite good. Yeah, I didn't like it either. But the other thing is, I when Kanye just starts rapping, I'm over it already. Because I'm like, this motherfucker, like, he's terrible. Fucking bleach butthole line gets me every time, man. Yeah, he's, he's just not a really good rapper. So you take this compilation album, right? And I saw somebody say, well, this could be like Kanye's The Chronic. No. Oh, and this, God. And this... This is a crazy comparison because I'm like, yo, these are, Kanye's just taking a bunch of his established rich friends and putting them on the album. The Chronic was Dr. Dre taking a bunch of newcomers and turning them into stars. Big difference. Kanye's not making a star on Donda. Dr. Dre made Snoop on The Chronic and Rage and Daz and Corrupt. Right? So totally different scenarios. Kanye's really just leveraging the names, not necessarily his art. So... If he puts out, a, like, I don't know what people will do. For me, I, I'm sure I'll ha- end up having to write about it somewhere. And I will be like, he made a good album. And I'll explain it because that's what I do. I don't just say good album, fuck him. I explain what's good about it. And then I'll say, but at the end of the day, fuck Kanye is a human being. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, because that's what it is. Like, it never will. You can't remove that part. Like, there are shitty people in Hollywood that have made great movies. There are shitty people everywhere. R. Kelly's a shitty person. Bill Cosby's a shitty person. I can't take away from what he did with the Cosby's, but fuck him. I can't watch it the same. Yeah. I can't even watch it. So you think I'm going to sit here and like listen to a Kanye album, repeat it? Because somebody's like, you're still going to listen to it. That's what I do. I listen to everything. Yeah. I will never say. Yeah. Very conditioned at this point. Yeah. Like I, my job as a, from a journalist standpoint, from when I first started was to listen to everything. Even if it was whack, I'm listening to it at least three times. It's my rule. I have to, because I need to confirm that it's whack. Right. (laughs) I have to like, if, if I allow, and this goes back to Tyler, if I allowed what I felt about Tyler's music to prevent me from listening to Igor or call me when you get lost, then I would deprive myself from listening to a great album. I have to be fair. I don't care how I feel about that person. I'm still going to listen to your art. Now, if it's good, then we got to have a conversation. But if it's whack, okay, it's whack. But who you are as an individual, it doesn't matter to me. doesn't matter. So some people are going to have, I'll love to see it because these goddamn hype beasts on social media and these hype beasts at these journalistic publications that have been sucking Kanye's dick for the last 10 years, it's going to be very interesting to see how they uh, write about this. Oh, I mean, it's already deemed a classic in several major publications. So we, we, we got a glimpse of what their opinion is going to be. Um, but like you were saying before, time to talk about Nas. And King's Disease 2 came out, Hit Boy on production again. And they have something as a, I don't want to say as a duo, but as producer and rapper, their chemistry is something very 
very unique and, and it's kind of what Kanye was searching with, or excuse me, what Nas was searching with when he went to do the whole album with Kanye. He was just looking for someone to, to really mesh with. And here, and I mean, Hit Boy's done it with now like four or five different artists. Um, there's just something there that Hit Boy understands with Nas. And then with this album, I was very pleased to see how the features worked very well with Nas because I personally don't like Nas on song. Like, I think he always takes a step back when he has a song with featuring someone else who's very good. I always thought that. I always thought he'd get outshined in features all the time, constantly. I listen to Made You Look Freestyle after the verses. Jada completely crushes him. Luda bodies that beat. Nas is like, why the fuck you even show up to write? So, but this has been his entire career. Um, just life's a bitch. It is fucking incredible. I think AZ bodies that a little bit more than Nas. Nas was great. AZ is fucking incredible on that song. So it's just, it's been the thing with me his entire career. Like, damn, Nas, oh, he got features. Uh, okay. I mean, the man once got bodied by horse on Uchiwali. <laughs> Like, he just, that's real shit. Um, so, like, he had the worst verse on Ujiwan. So, there's just always something that was off-putting about that. But I think this album showed me, like, no, the, the features fit. I like it. And finally, he's, he's, he's getting better. Not to say that, like, he's better than Illmatic. But he's growing into a different zone and evolving before our eyes in a space that's even more comfortable than Jay-Z has been. And I like Jay-Z, what, the 444 or whatever, and 444, and like Jay-Z growing, and he's getting into his grown man-ass rap. I dare say Nas is doing it better now at this point than even Jay-Z is in the terms of really expressing where he is as a person and in life, but making it extremely relatable and enjoyable. All right, so there's a lot to unpack here. Um, sorry, guys, we're going to get to pro wrestling, but this is a heavy opening session. Uh, so Nas has nothing left to prove, and that has now allowed him to make music without having to prove anything to anybody. That's first. Because Nas is a rapper first and last. Jay-Z is a rapper first, businessman second, or you can flip those things. Jay-Z had other things he wanted to do, kind of like Kanye. Hey, other things he wanted to do other than just be a rapper. Nas has only been a rapper. He's tried other shit and has failed at it because he's a rapper. <laughs> yeah. In the year of 2020 with King's disease, he realized, I ain't got shit else to prove you people. Fuck them. Or love me for who I am. Now, when you talked about he tried to do it with Kanye and Hit Boy, two different things. Kanye, the Ye album or the Nas album, was all about Kanye mm. and it was all about Nas fitting into what Kanye does. Right. And Nas has had this problem for his entire career following Illmatic where he can't figure out. And when you talk about guest spots, this is key. We can't necessarily figure out how he's supposed to rap. Have you, have you ever <laughs> listened to this? Like yeah. if you pay attention to his career, you'll get a song from Nas and like an A&R will be like, Hey Nas, you should rap over this Timberland beat. And Nas is like, well, how do I do that in his head? And he raps how he thinks he's supposed to rap on that beat. And it ends up sounding not good 
because that's not Nas. So when he raps over other people's beats that don't necessarily allow Nas to be Nas, he becomes something else that isn't Nas. And mm-hmm. it's the reason why for all these years, from, from Nostradamus, I Am, Street Disciple, go on and listen to these albums. He is always, it seems like he's always been trying to rap to find himself, to rap to find a pocket where he's like, I can be Nas and I can't, I don't have to do what this beat is telling me to do. Like that street mafioso Nas, that wasn't Nas. That was Nas following a trend. Yeah. That was it. So he rapped like he needed to follow that trend. Meanwhile, there's a whole generation of kids who are trying to be like Nas. And he's letting them down because they're like, well, how the fuck am I going to be Nas if Nas ain't going to be him? Subconsciously, because nobody really could spot it early, but he was trying to be what he wasn't. Now you have Hit Boy. Hit Boy comes in the room, and I'm assuming the conversation goes something like this What's up, Nas? Ready to make some music? Yeah. What you want me to do, Hit? What do you want to do, Nas? That's it. Here's the beat. What do you want to do? Pick the ones that you like. What do you want to do? I know what you do, Nas. I'm going to give you what is comfortable for you. And if it's not comfortable for you, we won't do it. Ain't no label telling us to make this song. Ain't no social media saying, Nas, you need to make a song like this. I'm just Hit Boy. Even though Hit Boy is a Grammy nominated and Grammy award winning producer now, even though Hit Boy has worked with all these people, his name has, it's there, but it's never been like a celebrity type name. It's Mm. always been about his music. Like he worked with Drake. People don't talk about that as much as they should because that's not Hit Boy's MO. Hit Boy's MO is to be dope. And when he gets in the room with Nas, he was like, what do I need to make for you to be comfortable? being Nas and King's disease. All you heard was Nas at his finest. That would like people like that's the old Nas. No, it's just fucking Nas. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is what Nas, when he finds like what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like even if you go through Stillmatic, which Stillmatic is a great album. But when you listen to like second childhood, for instance, that's Nas storytelling. Like, he's doing what he wants to do. Like he's doing, he's in a pocket with Primo and he's like, there's comfort here. But they had like that Braveheart party song. I don't know what the fuck is this? Somebody told Nas to do that. You mm. can tell, but there ain't that on the King's disease one. And there isn't that on King's disease two. There is Nas being Nas. Nas is in a room with another group of MCs. Who's like, man, how am I going to out rap Eminem? Right. Yep. Cause at the end of the day, Nas like, who gives a shit? I'm Nas. Like once Nas realizes that, Nobody could fuck with him. So King's Disease 2 is nothing but Nas being Nas. He got fucking Lauryn Hill on the album. The joke of the week for me is that Lauryn Hill arrived before Kanye. He only had to catch her for one session. <laughs> hey, don't matter. That's all you need. Lauren, Lauren, so we've criticized Lauren about being late for so long, and she showed up, and Kanye has not. She bodied that verse. And she did. But that was two MCs with nothing to prove to anybody making music and that's why king's disease works that's why king's disease will probably get nominated for another grammy because it's nas being nas and hit boy allowing nas to be nas i don't think kanye whether he thought about it or not was thinking about nas making that album kanye was thinking about what's this going to do for kanye yeah and these seven albums that i'm putting out and nas was just a cog in the wheel right there was like he had to put out pusha Tiana Taylor, Kid Cudi, his own album. Nas was all over the place. You know what Hit Boy was doing? Working on Nas. That's it. It was like his art. And, it, and the funny thing is, 
that's a kid who looked up to Nas. Like, obviously, Hit Boy's an adult. But when you get to work with your idol, I don't think Hit Boy ever walked in that room and was like, I'm better than Nas. I'm going to show him how to do this. No, he was not working <laughs> at all. I'm, I'm working with my idol. I'm going to make him make the music he's supposed to be making because we're not doing commercials for it. We're not doing fucking this is the best album ever. We're not bigging it, like blowing it up on social media. We're just going to drop this shit. Yep. And he dropped it and it was fucking incredible. It's to me, it's much like, and this is a bugged out comparison, but we're on a wrestling day. Nas stylistically is to me like to hip hop, what John Moxley is to wrestling. He is when Moxley went to the WWE, he wrestled a WWE style. He was part of one of the biggest factions of all time. He was amazing. Amazing as Dean Ambrose, but it still wasn't his, it wasn't what he could be. Right. And that's Nas. Nas is never bad. If you want him to give you a different style, if you want him to do the, yo, give me hits, do the WWE style, give me, you know, popular music, or the label feed you beats. Nas will get his. He'll hit a home run on some of them. Just like Dean Ambrose was champion and had good runs sometimes. But you always knew like, you know what, this ain't it. And then Moxley goes back and you're like, he goes to AEW and you're like, fuck. It's not, oh, he went back and this is the old John Moxley. It's, this is who he was the whole time. Exactly. He's just doing what he's supposed to do now. They're letting him be him in his comfort space and saying, just do what makes you, you. And that's Nas. He left that bullshit. This is his AEW run. This is, oh, yeah, this is what we like so much about it was written and Illmatic. Fuck, yeah, he could still do that, huh? Yes, when you just let the beats breathe underneath him and you just let him go. This is what he gives you. Yeah, and that's why King's Disease, I think, is incredible. Like, that's why, like, like that day, I was like, yo, because I didn't know what I was going to get out of it. And the fact that I heard an album that I was like, oh, my God, like, this is really, you could argue this is better than King's Disease. Like there is him and hit boy, you know how like a basketball player, it's like you take a player who was good in college and they scored a bunch of points and then you bring in the league. It was like, nah, man, you gotta learn how to, you know, develop this big range <laughs> jumper. And then you break their jumper along yep. the way. And then you keep going, well, you know what? Instead, just drive to the rack, right? Fuck it. Just, just get your points, how you know how to get them. Now, eventually as you get older, you can't go to the rack like you used to. And people don't care anymore because there's young players in the league now. They're just like, they, they're coming after you. But somebody has to fix that fucking jumper that was broken so long ago. And he, he Nas didn't have a coach to fix that jumper. He had a bunch of people on a bunch of different teams telling them, this is how you be Nas. This is what I think Nas is. Well, what does Nas think Nas is? And that's what Hit Boy did. Here, this is, is this what you think Nas is? I like this, Hit Boy. All right, let's make music. Yeah. And they just started making music. The, the, the jumper was fixed. The mechanics were fixed. He can be him now. He's not fucking JaVale McGee shooting three-pointers. That ain't what no. you're supposed to be doing. Sit your ass down. Hit Boy's the Zen master for sure. He, he's Phil Jacksoning this shit because you look at it. Phil had the triangle in Chicago, different than the triangle in LA when he has Shaq and everyone else. Like Hit Boy can go and be like, yo, Big Sean, come here. What do you want to do? But he got shit for Big Sean to let Sean be Sean. And then he goes, yo, Benny, yo, Benny, what's your sound, my man? Him and Benny put together some wild shit that sounds like Benny. 
Benny's best album, in my opinion. Yes. He's like, yo, but, yo, I know you usually don't do this, Benny, but this still fits who you are. Boom, works perfectly. Yo, Nas, what do you want? Oh, I got some shit for that, too. He understands this is my style, but I can tweak and manipulate my style for everyone. And I came from a place, yeah, where I, I was making hits for Drake. But I, I'm just not a hit maker. My style is still very similar, but I can tailor this to whoever. Very unlike like DJ Mustard. Where if you get DJ Mustard beat, motherfucker, you're getting the DJ Mustard beat. Like you better, you better do what you gotta do. You getting them three chords, that's it. Like that, <laughs> that's what you're getting. Yeah, no, he's he's very fluid. This like with, with Hit Boy, what makes Hit Boy very special as a producer, and makes him now he's become one of my favorite producers because the things that he's able to do is that he like really understands that uh, I'm coming in to help you make music and you're going to help me by being an artist that I work with. But uh, all I'm going to do is give it a little bit more polish. Like I, he's like, Benny, I heard the Griselda production and I'm going to give you something similar, but with a little bit more polish. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, you like, like you like certain type of clothes or you like a certain type of scent or you like your, you know, your room, your walls look like this. Well, I'm going to keep your furniture this, but I'm going to enhance just a little bit with my little touch. I ain't going to change it. I'm still going to stay in your lane, but yo, we're going to make that TV a 4k now, right? You can't keep looking at that floor model shit anymore, right? Like you, we're going to get you a new bookshelf, but it's still going to be the bookshelf you like. We're just going to polish it up a little bit, make it look nice. That's what hit boy does. That's what hit boy did with Benny. That's what hit boy does with Nas. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm your interior decorator. That couch is dope. Why don't we reupholster it just a little bit? Yep. And that's that's what he's doing. He's not trying to change them. And unfortunately, they can't be a tag team, right? Like Hit Boy and Nas should be a group. They should be a duo like fucking gang star at this point. <laughs> yeah, but Hit Boy works so well with everyone else. Yeah, but the other problem is, I mean, Primo did too, and he was always a gang star. The fact is that Nas is such a big name that you could never put him in a group. Yeah. It just wouldn't work. Yeah. But that's what this is it. For me. I mean, look, man, I, I'm, I'm going to have to have a conversation with Primo at some point. But for me, like, I don't know if I even want the premiere album anymore. And I know people be like, blasphemy. But I, I just don't know what happens with it. Because it has to be something that's stopping them from working together. Whereas Nas is locked in with Hit Boy for two albums. Two albums that have not missed. It's yeah. a lot, man. Yeah, I mean, you win a Grammy at this point, you just kind of be like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> like, yeah, is this my first Grammy? Yeah, this, we're doing something right. So you try not to rock the boat on that one. So we'll see. We'll see what Kanye drops on the 15th. If he drops on the 15th. And <laughs> listen, he better drop before 19th because I ain't listening to that shit if not. Because Wrestle, or excuse me, SummerSlam weekend's crazy packed. So if you don't drop by the 19th, my man, I ain't hearing that shit to like the September 1st. I'm just dog, I'm just I'm not busy. in a hurry. Somebody was like, you going to, yeah, I'm going to listen to it, but dog, I'm not waiting at my computer at oh, 11 no. 59 PM to hear a, not, a Kanye. I'm, I'm not doing that. Hell no. I'm not. He's not going to have me waiting. I ain't that guy. <laughs> I'm not that guy who's standing outside the club. It's like, you know, when the people just make the line longer for no reason to yep. make the club look better. That's what Kanye is doing to y'all right now. He's making that line look really nice. And people go, man, everybody wants to get in the club. Kanye, not me. I'll go somewhere else. Fuck that club. <laughs> I get in a club when there's no line. What? Listen, that's my thought process of going to clubs in general. Yo, I got to wait in line. I don't got a table. No, nah, I'm not going. 
That's me to Kanye. Up. Like, no, you put that shit in front of me and I'll, I'll listen to it. Like you make it readily available. I'm not going and tuning into every fucking live stream of you playing this shit in horrible quality. No, I'm not going to be glued to my YouTube or nah, fuck out of here. When it, when it drops, you let me know. So that's, that's where I am with the Kanye. We'll see how that all plays out. It's time to talk wrestling because a long ass hip hop segment. You guys don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk about WWE, the latest round of cuts that really hit NXT hard, and also recap the latest in Raw and SmackDown. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, as promised, we're here. It's time to talk main roster. Usually we start off with AW and NXT, but I felt like flipping it. And plus, this has an NXT flair to it as well. As came out on Twitter, really took over wrestling Twitter like two weeks ago, or excuse me, two days ago, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, Sean Ross Sapp was all over it, Fightful.com. Shout out to him. That's putting in amazing work over there. Another round of releases hit WWE. It's probably not the last. And there seem to be trimming the fat. Like we've talked about several shows now, every time they do this, they accumulated a very bloated roster. And now um, I, I love what NXT is. I love what Triple H has done. But in that case, you just, you can't sign everybody. If they're not going to go up and if there's no spot for them on the main roster and they don't fit the mold up there, you, you have to stop signing people. And they didn't. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, people have lost their jobs. And I'll run down the list, and then, Dre, I'll get um, your thoughts on it. One, Bobby Fish. Two, Bronson Reed. He was just NXT, a North American champion, like three weeks ago. Um, three, Jack Jake Atlas. Then we have Ari Sterling, Kona Reeves, Leon Ruff, Stephen Smith, Tyler Rust, Zachariah Smith, Asher Hale, Giant Zangier, and Mercedes Martinez. Oh my God. Yeah, this is a, this is a, uh, it's, it sucks, right? It does, but it's, I, I understand it. As much as people are blaming Vince and all this shit, and yeah, it's, it's shitty. This was done by Vince and by the corporation, by everyone two years ago. It wasn't done two days ago. Um, I said this would happen where they signed, they would have to eventually release all this talent, right? That, yep. that it was inevitable, right? It had to happen. But <clears throat> I don't know what the fuck is going on. Because on one hand, yeah, you see somebody like uh, Leon Ruff. And you're like, there's not much for him to do on Raw or SmackDown. Vince would see him and be like, the fuck out of here. Right? Yeah. But on the other hand, wasn't NXT supposed to be a third brand? This is the bigger issue is, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Mm. They turn the third brand into a third brand. And now are they trying to turn it back into developmental? That's what the rumors are saying. Well, how do you do that? What are you developing? I 
All right. I don't think NXT is ever going to be quote unquote developmental again. Oh, I beg to differ. I mean, it, it's going to be, in my opinion, I see the rumors, I see everything, how I am looking at the situation and I could be completely wrong. But one thing that really opened my eyes is this Twitter thread. Um, forgive me, I don't remember who posted it. That said, where did you lose touch with NXT? Where did it go wrong? And uh, I, I still like NXT a whole lot. Um, I have enjoyed all their takeovers. I watch weekly television. Some people don't. They've ventured off to AEW. They just don't feel it's the same. I get it. Um, my only gripe is that they moved out of their original building at Full Sail, and the new one doesn't work the same. The crowd isn't the same. The crowd's not as hot. You lose that engagement week to week. I, I thought that was the perfect venue. That was a great crowd. That built stars and helped them create stars there. Looking at it completely just void of caring about Triple H, Evil Vince, blah, blah, blah. Looking at what it is, in my opinion, and NXT stopped doing what NXT was supposed to do. And that's, that's not developing, like not bringing in people that are just super green. I don't think they're asking for it to be FSW. But it's supposed to teach and build people to move up the ranks, much like an NFL team. We all love the, the veterans that have been with our team after eight years. But when their contract gets too high, they got to go. But we have to draft well enough to have people on lesser salaries pick up that same slack, much like baseball. You have someone for seven years. They might got to walk after seven. But you better have that next prospect up and ready to plug in that you're going to have on another seven-year cheaper deal. Whether it's cheap, cheap, or cheaper, you, that's how this shit rolls. And I think that's what NXT was supposed to be. And for a while, it was. You get the Sasha Banks, you get the Charlottes, you get these people going, you get the Shield that went through NXT. You you have good talent. Seth Rollins was an indie guy. There's, there's indie people. Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens, like it did what it was supposed to do. Finn Balor, whether you argue if they use him right or not. Nakamura, Baron Corbin, it did what it was supposed to do. You develop some people who had no wrestling background and others who came from indie promotions, but for the goal of getting up to the main roster and funneling out some of the higher priced talent. They, when they became a third brand, stopped that. And with that, what, what do you provide? Okay, if you're a third brand, I, I believe, in my opinion, Vince looked at it and said, then you crush this upstart. We'll put you on the same day since you want to be a brand. And they weren't able to. Yo, you guys do the same thing. Why aren't you beating them in the ratings? Oh, well, this is not how we're... So why are you a brand? You can still be NXT. You can still bring in these indie people and teach them our style. But what worked... And if your fan base feels like they're lo you're losing your fan base anyway, obviously this new third brand, keep everyone here forever type shit doesn't work. People want to see people elevated, whether they get shit on or not. And they want to see a new crop come in. They wanted that. You turn the AAA team into a pro team and it didn't feel the same. They want those new faces. They don't want the same Alabama quarterback for 10 years. That's like you trying to do that. No, they want Alabama to be college football. They want you to keep recruiting five-star talent and give us new faces. That's what people wanted, and it stopped being that. So I think 
You don't go back to the bare nuts and bolts FSW. People can not fucking wrestle a whistle because they're not taking off TV either. It makes money. But you got to go back to what NXT was when you were bringing in a Finn Balor. What, two classes a year? You were bringing in Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Atami, who's Kenta. You were bringing, it wasn't signing a new class of eight, 10 people every fucking two months, month and a half. Triple H went, he tried, it didn't work. They were okay with inflated budgets and all this shit, so he went for the gusto. But now they're not. You got to bring it back to where it was. And if this is that, I'm horribly sorry people lost their jobs and all this stuff. But it, come on. This, they've, they've cut Sammy Callahan. Cutting Bronson Reed ain't shit. Like, they, they cut the, the pirate guy in New Japan that I hate. Finn Juice. Like, they've, they've done this before. They've let people go when they weren't working. But it's because you are at a point where you don't work going up and you can't stay here. So you got to figure out something new because we're going to try to get the next stars. They lost that along the way. So objectively, I understand this. I understand the rollback. So here, here's my problem with it. The problem is back to what the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And the problem is the bigger, the biggest issue here is Vince's unwillingness to change more than anything else. Of course. The problem is the industry has changed. The look of wrestlers has changed. Styles have changed. You have somebody like an Adam Cole or Johnny Gargano that Vince will look at, look at and be like, he's a fucking midget. What is he doing here? Vince is still obsessed with a certain body type, a certain style of wrestling. Mm-hmm. He's not willing to change. So when you have any NXT succeeding with smaller, more agile talent, some of them cut amazing promos. Some of them are, need some work. You have somebody like Kevin Owens, who was, would never have been signed by WWE. Samoa Joe, never. Vince would have never looked at either of those men and signed them. Never. But because they were in his system and he got a chance to look at something, he was like, oh, yeah, bring him up. And then he still doesn't know what to do with him. Yeah. So the industry is changing, but Vince's unwillingness to change with it puts a cork over what NXT can do. Because if the initiative is, well, sign everybody, whether it's, you know, the Indies are blowing up, let's kill the Indies. Let's make sure we have no competition. The AEW comes, sign people so they don't go with them. If that's the initiative, whatever it is, there has to be a plan with the signing. You sign somebody like a Jake fucking Atlas, who is an openly gay wrestler. You got nothing for that dude to do? Nothing? Yeah. I mean, that's, be- that's what they did. <laughs> they had nothing. You have to have no a plan. plan. You have to have a plan with a Jake Atlas. You have to have a plan with talent. And what NXT has done, what the Raw and SmackDown haven't necessarily done as well, a little bit long-term storytelling. Their, their blood feuds were extended blood feuds. But what happened was Vince started looking whenever he decided to look and was just like, hey, you're in the middle of a feud? I'll take that guy. What the fuck are you doing? Because one, that like, Let this me, is... Can I play devil's advocate? Go ahead. That... Yo, you're in the middle of a feud. Let me just take someone, Keith Lee, for example, right? To me, that's very, very recent thing that he's been doing with NXT. And to me, that is a direct correlation to them stopping. They no longer sent people up. And which made Vince have to come down and look at people. Because there was always a point where you send them up. If they fucking swim, they swim. If they sink, Vince is going to cut them. We loved your time here. 
And that's it. You got a year and a half here, two years max, and you're going up. And if you don't learn the tools in that two years to survive when you go up with the old man, and it may be out of your hands. But if you don't have those tools when you go up, then you're gone. And they stopped doing that. And Vince had to come down and look and then randomly pluck because he didn't give a fuck what they were doing at the time. Kill, I want to be clear. sending I, them. I, I want to be clear about something. NXT sends nobody. Vince comes for them. Always okay. has, always will. But it seemed it, like there was a timetable. There, there was never a timetable. There are production meetings where people sit down and have a conversation. And I'm sure that somebody like Triple H would present Mm. talent to Vince. There is no way in hell that, that Triple H has any power whatsoever to say, I'm not sending you guys anymore. No, no, I, I didn't. I mean, no, but- I'm saying there was never, there was never, the, this is where the disconnect happened. And I've, I've said it like a billion times on this show. When they called up Gargano and Cole in the middle of their feud and Chompa. had them, t- I mean, yeah, and Ciampa in the middle of their feud and had them tag team on Raw, that was the moment that people said, oh, you don't know what the fuck is going on there. Mm. And from that point, because he called him up, because clearly Vince doesn't know what's going on there and he doesn't care. So if I'm a fan of NXT and is bringing me back to watch WWE and I see the guys like a Gargano or an Asuka come in and just get nerfed. And Asuka didn't get nerfed, but Mm. she's in the title program. Right. Asuka didn't get nerfed. But, you know, like you look at some of it like Apollo. It's like, why did you even call him up? Because you got to sink or swim. No, no, no. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because there needs to be a plan for when I call you up. That's also true. Like, you called up Apollo and had nothing for him to do. Yeah. He needed more seasoning in NXT. He was a guy that, that Triple H touted as a next champion. Yep. He never got his hands on the title. There was no graduation. He never got far enough to graduate. Matt Riddle as well, I mean, I would argue. But he's, yeah. again, found his way by luck, him and Randy Orton. And then now he's taking it off by himself. So yeah, but another guy who called up way too early with no play. Yeah, so if you're, if you if I'm watching NXT and I'm not like reading dirt sheets or anything like that, if I'm just watching a TV program, right? And a spinoff program. And then the spinoff goes into the TV program. And then the guys that from the spinoff shows up on the program with a totally different character. I'm so fucking confused. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I doing? Like, what am I watching here? Like, because why isn't he like who he was there? Why is he here? Yeah. Why why is Piper Nevin Dewdrop? Aren't y'all the same fucking company? Yeah. Why is Karrion Cross not with Scarlett? Exactly. Why why did you have Karrion Cross and Keith Lee wrestle two matches? Never once did you mention that these two wrestled for the NXT title. And split them. Yeah, well, we know 50-50 booking is whack, right? But, <laughs> yeah, but-, but to not even acknowledge that there's a history there. And if I am an NXT watcher, you're disrespecting me as a viewer because I'm saying, you don't care about this shit. Why should I? Yeah. I mean, so, I, I think that's always been the case, but I still cared about NXT. I mean, so but I'm just I mean, saying. I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> there, there's a, there's, so when you go, go to these signings that got released, you take a Bronson Reed, who was just a North American champion, and the rumors are that Bronson Reed went to work dark matches on Raw, and then you cut him later. Well, this tells me that Vince saw Bronson Reed's body type, said, I need to look at him, got to look at him, didn't like what he saw, and cut him. Yep. And what if you're Triple H, dude, you just took a guy who was in a program as a champion, and you ruined him, and you let him go. What does that do for me? 
Dude, the fact that Samoa Joe got cut, come back, and now he's in a program for a title at NXT is <laughs> a lot about this company. Yeah, it's wild. Um, I can't can't defend that. Again, I can't. I can just say my point of view is this went wrong quite some time ago, and this is really shitty now, and I never want people to lose their jobs. But not taking NXT down to the base level, but taking NXT back to where it was three, four years ago might be the smarter play. Not a ton of talent. You have, they bring in six, maybe seven indie darlings a year, and that's it. And then they built people who had no wrestling experience. You look at American Alpha. They weren't indie darlings. They became very very good. You look at um wait wait big cast Enzo. Wait, 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 wait. I just want to go to American Alpha. What did they do on the main roster? Nothing. Again, they went up there. They he fell in love with Jason Jordan. They split. That's it. Chad Gable still hanging around. They fucked them. There's no reason American um, Alpha shouldn't have been a top tag team. None. Correct. And then, but even with that, the injury to Jason Jordan, we don't know what the fuck it Jason Jordan would have been. Um, as a solo guy. I mean, we don't know if it would have worked or not. I, I don't know. But even with that, Enzo and Cass, they fucked it up. Enzo went to 205, completely killed that promotion. And then Big Cass, they had to let him go. He was wilding out. And then now he looks like a million bucks in impact. So what they saw in him, I get it. He had to grow up. But even then, those were homegrown guys. You, they still need that kind of dynamic of, yeah, finding Bianca Belair. They found it, and, and she became great. But you need to give these people time on television. Leah being there six years, like, what are you fucking doing? Like, is she going to work? Is she not going to work? Um, stuff like that is just crazy. It got way too crowded even there to stash talent and keep talent away from the Indies and AEW. And at this point, it was like, fuck it, AEW taking our top guys now. We don't got to hoard the small guys anymore. They're taking our top guys. So fuck it, then we just let them go and we just say, yo, you guys be overcrowded. Oh, they're not dumb? They're not going to be overcrowded. Cool. So then let's, let's get ROH to be something again. You know, like, let these people go out and be talented and wrestle. So I, I think it is a shitty circumstance. It is a shitty day whenever these cuts happen. But I think there's a silver lining to it. And I think WWE and NXT not being on the same page and then doing fucking these tactics to try to hurt everyone else, hurt themselves. It is coming to roost now. And I think it's going to be even more beneficial to everyone else when all this talent gets dispersed again. I will say this. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Y'all fucked NXT. Then, I mean, the, unless they cancel it all together, I don't know what they're going to do. Well, what, this, what, what I'm saying is, like, you positioned it across from AEW. You made it a competitor. You yep. put it on TV. Yes, you got a big check to do so. You extended it to two hours. You removed everything that was the charm of NXT and made it into a third brand. Mm-hmm. Because even as soon as it showed up... it it wasn't appointment viewing anymore. Like it once was no, let's, let's be real. Takeovers are not what they used to be. Takeovers. Yes. Weekly television. No way in there. Like, so, and that's partially because I'm sure I'm just assuming here, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there, there's a writer's room in NXT and they're like, well, we don't even know if he'll be here next week. <laughs> like, yeah. how can I, how can I plan out long-term if, if Vince walks in right now? It's like, I like that guy. Let me take him like carrying cross. He's like, dude, that's my champ. What are you doing? Just yep. taking them. But you've tainted the brand to the point where that specialness is gone. What made NXT special, you can't go back to it. And they're going to try to go back to it, but you can't. All you can do is just try 
to do what you did in the, with your resources. And that's what they did. And it made it very special to begin with. Now, if it overgrew that and they, they reached for the stars and they bricked. But they, didn't, they just didn't have to break. That's the shit that bothered They didn't. Me. But you, I mean, at this point, they went, the parent company said, yo, you're doing well. We're not going to keep you in your comfort zone. We're going to make you make us money. And then you had to try to make lemonade out of lemons. And you tried, but it failed because you lost your charm. But at this point, you you had to try. They, they had to make money off of you. <laughs> and they did. The Peacock deal of the network is largely because of NXT. They moved that? NXT off. off. It's, not, it's not largely because NXT. It's, it's the company as a whole. Sure. The catalog, the back catalog, all that shit is great. NXT Weekly was a huge reason for why the WWE Network was very successful. And the takeovers, pay-per-views come with it. Yeah, sure. But that was a big part. So you take it off of that, you make independent money off of it. Cool. Now you put it on TV. Okay, well, now TV, you can't do one hour. You got to do two. And they tried. And there was weekly television that was very good. Putting it up against AEW was stupid. Moving off of that date looked like you conceded. And now fans will be fans. They have, you were working with a very niche part of pro wrestling with zero other competition in terms of television and production value. AEW, all they did was split that niche. They didn't necessarily take from the WWE. Maybe you took a little bit of fans, but you're going to lose those fans anyway because your product sucks. What they did was split the niche that you went after. So the ratings were going to fall because now you have fans stupidly choosing sides when you put shit against each other. If you went Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe they would have never chose sides. And you would have kept your whole entire fan base and they would have also just been AEW fans. But putting it against each other forced the audience to say, I need to like one or the other. I got to watch one on this day, one on that day. So when you did that for a year, you conditioned half the people to watch this, half the people watch that. So when you move days, they're not even coming back because that's not part of their rhythm anymore. They're like, no, I haven't watched that shit in a year anyway. I won't on Wednesdays, I'll just watch this. So why go back to NXT? I don't miss it. I'm with AEW. So they fucked up there. That's that's a glaring issue they did. But now you just got to listen. You you scale it back. You rework this shit. You find a way that works now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it'll turn into 205 Live. No, right. but it's like wanting the old Jay-Z. It's Buy my old albums. Like, that's that's the case. Like, yeah, we 205, or excuse me, 205. NXT was amazing. Those are the glory years. If that's the best they ever are, then fuck it. We lived through the glory years of NXT. Every wrestling promotion has that. Ask ROH. But you got to keep it afloat. You, you have to find something else that works. Impact had a great run, if you ask Justin Ivey. If we're like 05 through 2011, then that shit was almost unwatchable for like six years. And then they're back. So yeah, there's ups and downs. You got to keep the boat afloat. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know what they can do. The cuts they just they just suck because it just felt like you were wasting everybody's time with yeah. signing these people, and you're just trying to keep them somewhere. Because it's not like people like let's not be confused. Like y'all think like everybody in NXT makes main roster money. It's not the same, man. No, I can't. I I promise you, I make more than half of that roster. At least. NXT, at least, at least, at least, at <laughs> least. So it's yeah. like it's not like. So let's go into this question, because it's the big one that's lingering. What's Adam Cole going to do? Because 
allegedly his contract has lapsed and he's chose to stick around through SummerSlam, but there is no new contract in place. Now, there's two trains of thought here. Some people go, well, Adam Cole's a made man, so he should stay. There's another train of thought that says, they didn't care enough about you to re-up your contract? You need to go. Mm, I want to ask yeah. you, where do you stand on this? Uh, I, don't, I don't agree with the second one. I, I think it's shitty business practice, but um, when you bring in a guy like Nick Khan and you're changing over books and you have a guy going through your books and he's not necessarily um, completely in tune with all your years of talent and operation, these things slip through the cracks. They do. He, he's redoing the books for the entire fucking main roster and cutting people and seeing who's overpaid, who's not overpaid, and then has to look at NXT. Yeah, maybe your contract will lapse for two, two months, right? Um, so, yeah, you become a free agent. That's their bad. I mean, we look at that with Aleister Black. They forgot to change his fucking 30-day to a 90-day. You think they forgot or they just didn't care? No, I, I think the new regime came in and they have bigger fish to fry. Like, yo, the, the main roster's first. This is fucking business. One, one company is the reason why we're a billion-dollar company, and one is for the fans and the smarks. I'm yeah, I'm going to take care of the, the mother hen first. Yeah, so, yeah. Saying. Aleister Black was on the main roster. No, yeah, but he wasn't being used. His contract was the same. They're going through. He was the being used. He was in the middle of a program with Big E. They just started that two weeks before. He's in the no, middle. Don't say of middle. Program. That shit was. It was one episode. Dog, how long do programs last in WWE usually? Four Regardless, months. he kicked Big E once. So that's all I get I'm saying. It. And he was he gone closed, for how many months before then? I'm just before saying that program. He closed SmackDown, Correct. attacking one of the more beloved wrestlers on the roster and got fired the next week. He yeah. was not like it was out of sight, out of mind. They knew who he was. They're probably like, yo, this motherfucker on TV. What are we doing with him? How much did he get paid? What are our long term plans? Guess no, what? he can go. Left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. That's yeah, all so, that was. Again, that's the lapse for Adam Cole. And listen, it works out in his benefit. Um, so I don't agree with the second option on that. To me, his options are, do you stay? Do you feel like there's opportunity for growth on the main roster without your crew? Because the crew is disbanded for no reason, it appears now. Um, here's Bobby Fish is gone. It's over. Fish is gone. Fish was often injured. So that I understand. He was part of the crew. Yeah, I understand that. Often injured. At this point, he was like 38, 39. I can see why in terms of investment, they're like, yeah, now nah, this guy got to go. Like he's not worth paying or bringing up. We can't even fucking rely on that. Just objectively, I'm, I'm taking my feelings about the wrestlers out of it. Objectively, yeah, he can go. So you still got your other two members, whatever. We'll see what they are. A trio works better on the main roster anyway. You have, you know, Riley and uh, what's his face who can be a tag team and then Adam Cole, if you want. R- Roddy, Roddy. Ro- yeah. R- Roddy's right? in a whole goddamn new faction. New, new faction. You think the main roster gives a fuck about that? So I'm just saying. If you wanted to, you can make it work. But disbanded that. So Adam Cole, you got to sink or swim by yourself. Do you think you have that possibility on the main roster? Not looking at NXT, because again, I think there's going to revert to what it was three years ago. Not fucking bare bones FSW, but to what it was three years ago. I think it's reverting. Do you have this opportunity to succeed on the main roster? Or are you being catering? Or should you take the deal from AW, work with your friends? And it's a happy work environment. Let's just be real. So far, you feel like you're going to you trust them. You're going to take care of. They're more relatable than Vince. It is what it is. But if you succeed in WWE, there is a different level you can reach. 
And sometimes pride is just pulling you that way. AEW isn't WWE yet. I, I'm not going to act like they are. I don't know if they're ever going to be that. On that same part, like they're so new. I, I don't know. You can be an AEW darling, but that what is that? Is it going to be similar to being a WCW darling? Because then, yeah, you should probably make the jump because WCW people are remembered through time. It's pretty big fucking deals. Or is it similar to Impact? And then you're like, oh, okay. We're diehards, no, but it's not. My grandmammy don't know about them. You know, like my grandmammy knows about Stone Cold Steve Austin. So there's, there's different levels you can reach if you stay here. Do you think you can get to that level? And if you can, and the money's right, because other places are going to pay you pretty well. If the money's right, and they're paying, and you think you can get there, then take the WWE deal. Because I think you can shoot for that and say, I'm the anomaly. Um, I'm the new Daniel Bryan, right? Like I'm the new small guy who's going to succeed in a land full of giants because I'm not fucking kidding myself. They are not going to bring 10 of us up here, but I'm going to be the one that succeeds. Then you gamble and you take that deal. If you don't think that, go be with your wife, be with your friends, have fun every week. You're a really good wrestler. You're a fun guy. you got fresh, good matchups over there. You don't have to be the champion all the time, right? I don't think anyone... The company's so new, I don't think anyone cares about being the champion all the time. You just want to wrestle, be on TV, and hang out and have a good time and get paid for it. You get your Twitch, you get to do all that shit. It's personally, I love him in WWE. I think they could use him. They have to start building new stars. I think, in my opinion, he can be of the class of AJ Styles, where he's, you know, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, where they'll use you at least. You're not in catering, you're always in something. Um, and you'll be looked upon favorably in in history. I think he's he can be that guy. But if I was him, I'd probably take the AEW deal, figure it out. The only bad part is, to me now, Vince, historically, you go somewhere, you can come back home, right? Like, you can come here. We might, you go to Impact, like, fuck it, it's Impact. I'll bring you back. You go hit the Indies or a while. Uh, uh, Jinder, where the fuck do you go? We'll bring you back. Drew Mack, cool, we'll bring you back. I'm not sure that open-door policy is going to stay the same as long as Vince is alive. Trips, I think, might bring you back from AEW. Vince, him living, I don't know if that door is going to be open for you to come back. So if you leave, you gone. My opinion. Uh, I think it boils down to one thing. How much are you going to pay me to be on the main roster? Because I can't go back to NXT. Oh, it has to be main roster related. You're 100% right. Right. So it, if if we're having a conversation about being on the main roster and you pay me lower end on the main roster, I'm going to negotiate with AEW, mm-hmm. period. Because Adam Cole, I've said this before, I, I think Adam Cole's a great wrestler, but Daniel Bryan was the only Daniel Bryan at the time. And plus that resume before he showed up. Insane. <laughs> right. Him and Him and Punk. Yeah. Those were two guys from the Indies that we were like, oh, shit, they're never going to make it. And then they made it, right? Because they were just, that was the cream of the crop. Yeah, AJ Styles. Like, the resume was so deep, you really couldn't fuck them over. Yeah, like, they, you now you're in a place where, again, if you put Adam Cole, if he just walks in somebody's living room, you don't watch wrestling, he just looks like another guy. Mm-hmm. And if Vince isn't watching NXT, what do you think he sees when he sees Adam Cole? Honestly, yeah. Honestly, I think they would sell him on the promos, the charisma, and you would honestly have to sell, Sean would have to sell him 
and be like, yo, he is the difference. This, yeah. He is our style. He is a character that can wrestle, not a wrestler that we have to teach to be a character. Yeah, I, I think Vince's obsession with body types mm-hmm. puts Adam Cole at a serious disadvantage from the jump. That's fair, but Vince always loves a Ray Mysterio. He always loves. He ain't that a- small. That's that's really small. Come on, that's like like this like no, five but, three. Of course, but I'm saying Vince also has someone all the time that can play that really big guy, really small guy archetype. Like, you know, he, he books these matches. He doesn't have 10 of them. Like he has 10 giants, Yeah, but, but he always has one or two. But dog, Adam Cole's in the middle. He's not small enough to be special. He's small enough to be too small for Vince. Like that, that's the problem with Cole. It's like Ray Mysterio and plus Ray Mysterio is still here. Right. Like if you still want to do that, they just throw Miriam Stereo back out there as they've proven over and over and over again. again but yes, they have to get away. from. That. <laughs> yeah. but, and they're not. So it's like if you go with the trend and you watch all these people that just got released because the company allegedly wants to go back to being this de- developmental thing. You look at yourself and where your position you look at Gargano. He's fine. Right. Like you look at Gargano. He's he's been positioned in a major spot all the time. Yep. You, on the other hand, sir. You don't have your faction anymore. That was super over. Broke y'all up for no reason. And nobody's really doing nothing. Bobby Fish is fired. Roddy's with the diamond mine. Kyle is just wearing weird clothes. And now it's you. And you have to go, well, they didn't call us up when they could have. Because when we were a faction, we could have came in as a crew and wrecked shit. They didn't do that. Yeah, hot. Like, they didn't do that. So now I'm, I'm coming in lukewarm. I'm not the champion anymore. I'm in a feud that's like, eh, we just got to end this feud because it's got to end. So I'm yeah. coming in kind of, I'm not coming in hot. So the money's got to be to the point where I could say, okay, I can deal with this. Because that's what it's really all about. Because if you have to be, the money has to be good enough for you to say, all right, even if they don't use me, I'm good. And if it's not that, you go to AEW, go somewhere else. Because you mentioned one thing, Twitch, you have freedom somewhere else. Yeah. And that's that's a big deal in terms of financial upside, because these guys that were making tons on the Twitch cut because Vince doesn't want y'all marketing nothing nowhere. So if I'm not making at least half a million, I'm going somewhere else where I make maybe a three, like three fifty and then make everything else. And then I know that I'm going to be positioned. OK, it's not yeah. Bret Hart going to WCW. It's, no. it's you know, if whether he goes back to Japan, whether he goes to Impact whether he goes like wherever he, or maybe he just wrestles them all who knows, but there's a freedom there. And it's, it's, I, I don't, the timing of this is all bad because when you say, well, you know, Nick Khan and them have a lot of things to do. Well, if I'm not priority, I need to fucking go. If, you let, if that's if you, the case, he should. Like, if I was sitting on top of your company as the champ and the most over faction outside of the new day in this entire business on the WWE side, Maybe period. Maybe maybe they maybe period. Yeah. yeah maybe <laughs> maybe period. Bully. If I was sitting on top of all these things and I was your champ and I was in your top feuds and I did all these things and you somehow allowed my contract to lapse, and then you asked me to do you a favor and stay through SummerSlam so I could work a match with Cole at Takeover, y'all don't really care about me that much. I don't care what you got going on because that's the one thing about players. I don't ki- give a shit what the owner thinks. It, this is my contract. And if you ever read up my contract, it's like imagine somebody tells Kawhi Leonard, oh man, we, we done fucked around and forgot that you had a contract. What? That means you don't value me. 
I'm going to go somewhere I need to be valued. Or at the very least, I'm going to leave, let this contract lapse, walk, and then play the sides against each other. Who, who wants me more? Because Cole is a commodity. Oh, definitely. It's just a matter of if WWE wants to pay up. That's it. I want everyone to be happy. Do what makes you happy. I want everyone to wrestle. Everyone to have an opportunity. I don't care. I'm, I'm at the point where Twitter and the fucking dirt sheets and these people, all that shit exhausts me. Like I have my opinions. Um, we got to be in that space because this is what we do. Got to keep our ear to the streets. But that shit exhausts me. I just want everyone to wrestle. I watch all this shit anyway. I don't care where you wrestle. I can enjoy, yo, you had a good run in NXT. But I will also enjoy your run in AEW. Malachi Black, thank you for squashing Cody. I'm going to buy merch. Like, thank you. I'm enjoying that so far. This, um, and we'll get into it, obviously, AEW full. But the promo with Chavo this past week and Andrade, money. And I said they have too many of these fucking managers and valets. But guess what? This one works. The lick my shoe? And then Andrade just being an ass? Wow. Perfect. Perfect pairing. This isn't Vicky. Him and Chavo work. That's great. I love that. I want to see where it goes. Him versus Death Triangle? What? Sign me up. I can't wait. So, yeah, no, I'd love people. Just go work. Have fun. Be good. If you want to go back to WWE and that presents itself, cool. Do that in the future. If it doesn't, stay here. I watch all this shit anyway. We go to all these shows anyway. We go to GCW on the cost. I enjoy all wrestling. Work wherever you want to work. Make your money. Be happy. That's one thing I've noted. Like, listen, there's a million, million places to get paid. Some places pay more than others. Nothing is worth your happiness and mental health. Go. If you want to be with your friends, go and work. I'm going to watch Adam Cole, whether he's in the NXT main roster or in AEW. Or New Japan. I love him back in New Japan. Like, I'm going to watch him wherever he goes. So I just, listen, man, you choose it. Let me know where you choose so I know where to watch. Because at this point, there's going to be cuts. WWE is changing. They might be changing back to what they were. They, they tried to be something they're not. And I'm okay with that. People are acting like, oh, my God. If the old man, I don't expect Vince to change. I don't expect shit to change until he's gone. And then maybe he still won't change. But... They're going back to what they were. You were who you were when you got here. I'm not shocked. I'm not crushing them. No, they're just reverting back to who they are. But there's plenty of other places now. If these people want to go and do them, there's plenty of other places that'll let them. Impact will let you. Please, if you want to do what the hell you were doing before, go to Impact. There's some great people over there. They know how to book. They take care of people. The pay may be different. Get a Twitch. Like, I don't know what to tell you. But if you care about your booking, you care about wrestling every day, they'll take care of you. Apollo will probably be fucking great in Impact. Sure. Uh, before we talk about Raw and SmackDown, I do want to talk about, we had a question that came from one of our listeners that asked if either me or you would run a wrestling promotion. Would you run a wrestling promotion, Kel? I would only do it if we could do it as the Rat Pack. Everyone in our group chat right now, if we were able to do it, I would do it. Like if, if someone got Tony Khan money, 
I was like, yo, we're doing this. Yeah, I, w- I would do it. I-, I wouldn't do it by myself. Um, no, not, not at all. But if it's all of us, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. Because I, I, I mean, Danny's better than Kevin Dunn in terms of production already. So I feel like, yo, Danny, you got to run all this production shit. Like, you got the eye. Um, you, of course, are kind of like the executive dude would be in charge. You got connections. You also got to wrangle in all the old talent we would need, uh, established people. So, yeah, that's you're the face of the operation. Uh, I just want to be, oddly enough, in the back. Give me, like, a, a Shawn Michaels role. Let me chill in Gorilla. Let me look at that one. My hot takes are crazy. Wrangle me in. Um, but I like crafting the stories and everything. Let me be talent relations. I talk to people very well. Um, Big Mac could be a writer. We have an amazing editor, Marcus Vanderberg. Um, Justin Ivey is one of a huge fan of wrestling, but he also understands musically what pairs very well. You know, Ivy, you got to get everyone's stage entrance, music, all that shit. You need to rap all. You got to do that. You got to be my Dusty Rhodes. I think we got enough people in the group chat to make this happen. AJ is great. He's a writer. And yeah, let's, let's do it. I think we have enough talent in the rap pack to pull off a perfect back end of a wrestling promotion. I'd never do a wrestling promotion with y'all. I love y'all to death. Oh God. <laughs> if, y'all, if y'all still want me to love y'all to death, let's not do that kind of business together. We do a podcast every week. What do you that's, mean? that's different. It's just me and you. It's just me and you. And we just talk. I can, <laughs> I cannot like as much as I would have said, yes, maybe 10, 15 years ago. I can't do it now because I don't like dealing with that many personalities. I don't like having, I don't, I don't. Yeah, not, I mean, not only that, I'm talking about not just us as personalities, but I'm talking about like other talent and wrestlers and people and like getting crushed on social media. If we make a bad booking decision or the business, like you don't pay attention to none of that. You're actually perfectly suited. No, I'm not. I'm not because I'm building a business for people to consume. So of course I'm going to care about what my consumers think. And Twitter is a, and social media is a horrible place for it because it's just a fraction of the people that are watching. But it, when you're a smaller promotion, that fraction ends up being a huge percentage of it. So somebody was like, man, fucking Ryan is an idiot. I would take it personally. Right. <laughs> and I don't need to be, I don't need to be that because Ryan's my friend, but on top of that, it's just the idea of running a wrestling promotion would take the fun out of what I do. That's also true. That's my bigger issue is the things that I love. I have to, like, I get into all, I write about all the things I would love, right? I document all the things I love. I write about wrestling. I write about music and I do that. But then when you're in it, it's different. And I don't want to hate the thing that I love. And I love pro wrestling. Did you I love music y'all. for a while after uh, BET? Yes, I fucking hated music when I left BET and I just and I was there. I was still kind of documenting it. So it wasn't like I was in like the trenches like that. But because of the, all the shit that I saw, I couldn't I, I was out. There was a reason why I moved into combat sports. I fucking hated it. I hate I didn't want to listen to any music anymore. I was done. I don't want to be like that with my friends, too. I don't want to be like that. That makes sense. then. OK, I get it. I, I don't want to hate what I love. Like, it sounds good in theory. But I'd rather be at a point where, like, I wouldn't want to do with y'all. Sorry. I love y'all, but nope. I don't want to hate any one of y'all for any reason. Because (laughs) it could be anything. Because business makes things different. And business and friendships don't always mix. We do a podcast. Yes. 
But when somebody goes, man, I'm not getting paid enough. It could be right. Could be wrong. Could be personalities about this guy should go over. Or we should do this deal. I don't, I don't want to hate the thing that I love. So I'd rather document it from a distance, write a book about it. I don't want to be in it like that. No, thank you. Yeah, you're dipping the toe in that water in real life. Anyway, you're, you're, you're seeing how the chefs make the food. I see it say. sometimes, but I, that makes me say, like, I don't want to rent no goddamn wrestling food. <laughs> yeah, that shit. By the way, that shit's way harder than it looks. Shout out to GCW and everyone over there, FSW. Like, that shit is tough. And they make really good shows, really good talent. And it's not easy. Yeah, Brett, Brett Lauderdale is a friend of mine who runs GCW. I text him every few weeks and I go, man, how the fuck do you do this? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's It's honestly crazy. So, yeah, no, that's. Man, it is tough to do. So, yeah, if you guys are wondering, we are not starting our own wrestling promotion. <laughs> it's not in the cards. Uh, the old man just shut that down. So now talking about main roster stuff real quick before we hit our last break and then come back because we've been talking forever. Um, this week, Raw, nah, Bobby Lashley and Goldberg's official. The match should be more, no more than five minutes, right? That's what you would hope. Um, Drew Mack is still in this thing with gender. I don't mind it. Whatever. I don't care, but I don't mind it. Hey, he's doing something. I, yeah, I don't care either. It's, no, it doesn't bother me. He needs something to do, right? This is this is how you keep talent around. I don't mind it. And then um, Rhea Ripley versus Nia Jax, who got busted open. The hard way. Boy. Yeah, so Nia and Shayna officially still breaking up, and I don't know. I feel like... Not, I don't know, man. I don't, one of them, unfortunately, I don't want to wish unemployment on anyone. It seems like if they break up, one of them may not be with the WWE after. Um, Macy T-Bar versus Mansoor Mustafa. I like this program. Program. Am I weird? Like Mustafa Ali becoming a baby face again and turning him and showing that he like, he saved Mansoor and threw him out of the ring. Like it's good storytelling. And they're on TV. They need more tag teams. It works. Um, Charlotte Flair. I don't need Nikki beating them and then them beating Nikki every week. Like, have them face other people. We're going to see the match at SummerSlam. Do something else. See, this is what I like about AEW. They have, all right, we got we to, gotta, we're heading towards a title match at a pay-per-view. In the, and they don't do pay-per-views every month, but that's a whole other story. In the interim, we're going to take these people who we signed, well, like not even signed the contracts, but we're going to have them work matches. That way we can keep wrestler A away from wrestler B before they meet at the pay-per-view. WWE doesn't abide by those rules. No. They say, let's have you wrestle different ways the same time every goddamn week. Yeah. I hate it. Because what and they make nothing special. For? Yeah, and make nothing special at the pay-per-view. I've seen this shit eight times. Like, ah, oh, man, as soon as they said, oh, we're doing Charlotte versus Nikki and a no holds bars match. I was like, why? You're taking the reason I would want to even see the match away from me because I have to watch it every week. The reason why we wanted to see Hogan and Warriors so bad when we were kids is they never interacted. Yep. And then they finally did a Royal Rumble, and then we had to wait a bunch of more months for them to wrestle each other. That's what it's all about, anticipation. I don't yeah. even, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand this. When I saw Nikki and Charlotte again, again, we still got two weeks of WrestleMania. SummerSlam. Yeah. Or SummerSlam, whatever. Yeah, I've been saying the same shit. It feels like WrestleMania because it's in Allegiant State. 
Yeah, it's a big thing. But the like, come on, like you mean that's why I say you mean you couldn't take like a Mercedes Martinez and have her wrestle somebody on the main roster? She could lose, but you could put her there just to keep them apart. Meanwhile, you can have a Rhea Ripley or a Charlotte or a Nikki cut a promo that week. They don't have to work. It's okay. That's what I don't like about these cuts because they could be used in other ways rather than have the same 10 talent cycle in and out every single week doing the same thing with the same talent. How many times you got to watch Nakamura and Apollo now? Just do the goddamn match at SummerSlam. That's it. Yeah. Just do it. Ridiculous. And then uh, Damian Priest, John Morrison, he's just working his way to the title with Sheamus. All right. A title that nobody cares about. No, we got to make these titles like mean something. Both mid-card titles now are stale as fuck. Stale. Um, and then Damian Priest had three three segments. Insane. Uh, but I mean, I don't mind it, but goddamn. You got other talent. And uh, Damian Priest and Ricochet versus Morrison and Sheamus. Ricochet is a madman. Like, he looks great in all these matches. Um, for some reason, Riddle keeps losing. He loses to almost. But it's setting up the tag team feud, which Riddle should win with a returning Randy Orton. So I would like that. We talked about Keith Lee already. Um, Reggie. Reggie's just the toy of the week. Free Akira Tozawa, by the way. Yeah, free him of the gi. Like, why is he still wearing a gi? I don't know. He's still a ninja in Vincent's eyes. So here's my theory on Reginald, because now he's Reggie. It's over. No, no, it's a wrap. <laughs> they, they changed his name. They, they call him Reggie now instead of Reginald. Now he re- he's wrestled more uh, 24-7 title matches than I think anybody on the roster has this year. Because he's done it three times in the last three weeks. He wrestled on both shows. Yeah. I don't need matches. Like, I don't need matches from Reggie. Like, two things. One, that finish ain't going to get over that much longer. That shit ain't. Come on, dog. You know how embarrassed I'd be if, like, you got to take Reggie's finisher this week. Really? Flipping senton from a little guy? And now you you have a crowd, and the crowd ain't going to pop for it. Yeah, and it's like, then the, his wrestling gear. And I'm like, man, if you're going to make him a wrestler, make him a wrestler. But now he's an attraction, and that attraction won't be here much longer. Nope. I, it sucks because he's wildly athletic, but somebody was like, he's the most athletic guy on the roster. I was like, have you guys not seen Ricochet before? Because <laughs> they put a trampoline out. out there? Yeah, no, um, yeah, that's ridiculous. But no, he's Flavor of the Month. It's his 15 seconds. Yeah. So enjoy it, Reggie. Enjoy yeah, it. Um, we have... Zelina Vega cannot get a win to save her life. Yo, how? Oh my God. On SmackDown. <laughs> like, this is, she resigned to eat pins eternally. Yo, please, God, this frustrates me to no end. Like, some people are like, man, AEW has this ranking system, and sometimes it matters, sometimes it don't. Yeah, okay, fine, whatever. But Zelina Vega has not won a match yet. However, somehow, she still keeps coming out here, challenging people. And somebody like Bianca is supposed to actually act like she's somewhat of a credible threat. You know how quickly, like, I don't know how nobody wrote this to say, girl, you ain't won a fucking match yet. Like, they, wh- why hasn't anybody said this yet? Like, I should get a title shot. Somebody should say, who? Who are you? Why? Did I pin you last week and the week before? Why? You're Somebody posted it. She's 0-4. And she's yeah. still involved. Why it's- isn't Shayna Baszler in this program? No clue. We have uh, Finn Balor. Going into the program, it looks like him versus Corbin now for SummerSlam. I like it. Cool. I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm fine. Look, I told you all my theory. As long as we get Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor at one of these damn pay-per-views, and if if we have to do it, Roman Reigns beats the Demon, okay. 
Yep. Fine. We're on board. Um, Usos versus Mysterios again at SummerSlam. Whatever. I'm so sick of this. I'm so um, sick of this. Dominic's not good. Like <laughs> you have, you have at least one other competent tag team. Like, can we get to the Usos versus the Street Profits? Like, that's what we want, right? That's let's it. Just, let's get. That's there. all we want. Why um, is this so hard? I, I don't know. And then, and in the meantime, if you want to save it to like Royal Rumble season, which I'm okay with, um, give the Street Profits feuds to do now and have the Usos go against American Alpha 2.0. That's No, because you're building them up as a pretty good tag team. So put them in the spot. The Mysterios should not be in the spot. It should be Alpha already. So that's ridiculous. And then we have Knock versus Apollo Crews, DQ. We're just going to see this again next week, so I don't care. Colonel Aziz. Um, Tegan Knox gets a win. Tegan Knox is cool, yo. Like, if they knew how to use her, she's pretty cool. Like, she... Yeah. They. It's just... You know, they'll disappear for a week. And they'll be like, oh, they pinned the champs. Like, look, man, get the goddamn titles off of Tamina and Natty. Just get it off of them. Natty's Please. already hurt. Natty's so hurt. It's like, yeah. But they should have never had the titles in the first place. I know it's y'all a little feel-good story, but nobody cares. No, now she's hurt and they're stuck with the title. Nah, like Shotzi and Tegan, let them run. Fuck it. At least they're new. See what they can do. And then uh, we're getting Edge, Seth Rollins. They agreed to Listen, that's going to be a great match. Yeah, I'm looking so, for that. That's pretty much what's happening in the main roster. A couple names weren't there. No Big E this week. Um, well, Big E was there. Big E, Big e laughed as Paul Heyman finished his promo talking about Balor, and then Big E just stood there and laughed at him with the briefcase. Okay. But you're good. Listen, just be around ominously. Yeah, so be around I mean. ominously. I just don't like, what is he doing for SummerSlam? Nothing, because he has a briefcase. You got you to be ominously teasing the main event picture yeah but you still i mean you should have a feud but if he doesn't don't rush that, into no stupid shit cool ominously be around i, I don't i don't know biggie's like arc obviously he's my friend but the, the whole thing was like he hasn't wrestled on a ton of pay-per-views like when you win the briefcase i don't care who you are you should be in a feud immediately yeah it should be hot yeah like keep him hot because the moment you cool him off otis people start caring yeah, I think Biggie will be fine in that regard, but yeah, yeah. but don't take it for granted. Yeah, is like, what you're saying. It's yeah. SummerSlam. It's your it's like second. It's, it's a huge show. It's in a stadium. It's a yeah. huge show. He should be doing something. And the fact that we're getting the Usos and the Mysterios again, which then leads me to believe that Street Profits won't be doing anything. What are we doing? Yeah, I'm, listen, man, I don't know. Everyone can't be on the show, but you chose the wrong people to be on the show. Exactly. Um, and then. I mean, shit, that's, that's pretty much it. Oh, and John Cena. Juan Cena was not on the broadcast. Why? I don't know. He worked the dark match. They called it, they literally called it like the summer of Cena, and they had all these dates to pay for him to come see him wrestle, but don't you want to see him on the show? I don't understand. I, I guess like he's here for not a long time. oversaturate the Roman Reigns thing? I, I don't know. I, he doesn't have to do a lot. You know, I, like, I wouldn't mind to see, like, John Cena work Corbin. I wouldn't mind that either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, let him work Corbin for a week. Yeah, that's just, smart. Just do something. Like, I yeah. Don't know. yeah. If, if you, you can, can squash Corbin that. now, like, because yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. part of the character. It's okay. But I think it, it's at this point, you're working towards some of some. Yeah, they don't have to like push and shove each other, but do something. Yeah, let them get loose. So, yeah, that's where they are. Let's hit our last break. We'll touch on AEW a little bit, maybe some more NXT. We already talked a lot about that before we get out of here. You guys don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. 
We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back. Just touching on AEW before we get out of here. Super short segment. But, you know, we got to pay the bills. So we put our breaks in where they're supposed to be. We appreciate you guys for sticking around. Dre, we touched on it. Cody gets crushed by Malachi Black. Super squash match. Tries to put his boots down in the ring. Black hits him with a crutch. This means Cody obviously isn't retiring. But I'm completely over Cody Rhodes, the baby face. Yeah, I hope that this leads to, A, another squash match, and B, Cody Rhodes disappearing for a while, and C, Cody Rhodes going heel. That's it. I feel like this is the only path now. I don't need him to be a babyface any longer. It, I'm so over it. it. It's like the crowd's over it too. Shit. Yeah. No one would. It was like, oh, he's putting his boots down to retire. No one like was shocked or cared much about it. <laughs> they were like, oh. okay, whatever. So yeah. And honestly, you debut someone. And I understand Malachi Black is supposed to be ominous and all this stuff. He got the eye, but the crowd knows where he came from. They're super hyped that he's here. They're treating him like the babyface. Yes, already. So, yeah, so it's it's not really doing what you think it's supposed to do. Um, I love the the labors of Jericho. Oh, it's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. So this keep going for Hoover to Guerrero, <laughs> but MJF is incredible. Um, listen, the juice is loose. I don't mind it, but I don't like and I understand Jericho's getting older, but I'm not a huge fan of the Judas effect. I, I like the Jews effect. I didn't particularly, I thought this match was okay. It, it felt old. Like I was, I felt like they I was are old. That. I know, but it, it felt as old as I was watching. Like it felt like they were like, oh, oh wait, wait, I got it. Hold on. All right, let's go. Like that's what it felt like I was watching, which is whatever. I mean, it, it could have been better, but I don't, I don't mind the Judas effect. I think it's, it's good for Jericho to have like multiple finishers. I'd like to see him just do different finishers for different matches, but it's kind of nitpicking from me. He's old. It is what it is. No, yeah. I, listen, I get it. So then we have Adam Page saying, yo, I got to go solo. I got to take down the elite alone. This is my business. It looks like he's no longer the leader of the elite, or excuse me, of the Dark Order. And now this has me wondering, is one of these recently released people going to come in to lead the Dark Order? I don't know. And I don't think it'd be a good idea. Because Adam Cole, I mean, Adam Cole, Adam Page has done such a great job of kind of sort of not being in the Dark Order, but kind of sort of being in the Dark Order. Yeah. If you bring in somebody else, it would kind of, it wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily like it because now it feels like you're trying to replace Adam Page. And that's not what I want to see. Hangman Page is Hangman Page. 
maybe I, I don't know. But the group I, needs a leader, right? Like that's their whole thing was that they were a group in search of a leader. Brody Lee came in. He was the leader, RP Brody. And then now they are like, oh, let's follow Paige. And Paige isn't the guy. So now they have to wander around and find a new leader. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like I'd rather play it downplay the fact that they don't have a leader than make it a focal point. Oh, I would love I would love for them to like go weekly and scout for a new leader and then people turn them down. They get like super disappointed and then boom, you debut their new leader. You can build this up for like two months until someone's I mean, joint goes off. I, I could do that because John Silver is very fun to just watch do things. Yeah, Uno is great. Like just yeah. have them like kind of interview people for a leadership position and then like no one fits the bill and then they're just right about to give up and then you debut their new leader. I'm with that. I'm with that. Just don't, I'm not in a hurry to see a new leader. No, it doesn't gotta be like next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Adam page going solo. I'm curious how this all gets to play out because he's already lost the match. How does he work his way back into the Kenny Omega title match? Yeah. That's what has to happen. I'm, I want to see how they pull this off. Agreed. I, I think that has to be the match for the pay-per-view. Has so to. yeah, they, they go, if they go another way, it's disappointing. Yep. shouldn't. No, um, Heyman Page has been so great in that role. So, yeah, let him let him ride it out. He don't got to win. Let him ride it out. And then uh, Moxie Allen Kingston versus 3.0 <laughs> and Daniel Garcia. Fuck it. I'm buying merch, baby. I'm all in. <laughs> like, my boy showed up. I was hyped. Let's get it. And they're just such great assholes. And they, like, man, I love their tag team moveset. They don't have to be taken too seriously. Um they just add something fresh to the tag team division. A tag, you know, before I keep going, like this match was cool, right? Whatever. I saw it on Twitter and I got to ask you about this because I didn't put it in group chat. I didn't put it on our rundown, but I saw it on Twitter and they did like a list of the most disappointing things in pro wrestling. And it was like a top five, as you can imagine, there's a lot of WWE shit on there. Right. But what, the only AEW thing on there, there's two, but the women's division speaks for itself. Of course. And it was just lack of time for the women on the thing. So that's a genuine complaint. Cool. The other thing was they said the AEW tag team division was one of the biggest, I think it was number two, disappointments in pro wrestling this year. Hmm. Yeah. And I started thinking, and I was like, yo, when they launched, this was the bread and butter. Like they were going to have the best tag team division in the world and they have the talent and I don't show up weekly for the tag matches. anymore. like, I don't, I think they might have something going with that. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence with this. Cause on one hand, I, they, they haven't hit the potential of what the tag team divisions could be. And, you know, yeah, you know, between you have FTR, you have LAX, like they're, they're stocked with talent. But when they've had some really good tag matches that are still better than WWE, but what does that really count for, right? Yeah. So and it's the past year. I had to look up when a year was, and I think they might be on to something. Yeah, because I think when Omega and Paige had the titles against the Bucks, like that was a great match. And then the yep. Bucks have had the titles. I'm trying to think. Omega's been champion for a second. Yeah, like he's been champion since the end months? of last year. Yeah, since the end of last year. When so, yeah, that might be the last great match. We're approaching the time where we saw last September, I think, was the LAX best friends well, tag team the, match. Didn't the Bucks have like a banger of a tag team match that opened the Dynamite recently? Not 
too recently, maybe like a couple of months ago, and I can't remember who it was against. I feel um, like they people loved Bucks FTR, right? Yeah, that was good. But this is my. But it was kind of like a one-off, and then it was gone. Like I haven't seen tag team feuds like that. Like that. Like what? I haven't seen Pentagon and Phoenix really tear up the division. I haven't seen LAX tear up the division. They've all been just pawns for better work. You know, for lack of a better word, in other feuds with their stables, and Pentagon and Phoenix had great one-on-one matches with Kenny, but not tag team. FTR has been up and down with their tag team performances. Now it looks like they're in an injury. Um, best friends, whenever they've been on TV, I've had to eat my words. They perform well, but it's not consistently enough. I mean, Gallows and Anderson get more TV time than anyone not named the Young Bucks. That's also true. And they're so not full time. It's is it disappointing? Yes. Is it one of the biggest disappointments? I don't know if it's one of the I biggest. don't think it's two. <laughs> yeah. You could have ran through a laundry list of main roster stuff on there. But I guess they added it for diversity. But if there's a gripe with AEW, I was like, yo, you know what? You might might be honest. I mean, you know, my shit is the managers. But I was like, that's a fair point by that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I can see that because it they've they've built this around supposedly having this phenomenal tag team division. Yeah. We haven't seen a lot and man, I'm sorry, but I'm blaming a lot of this on FTR cause they're not coming through. They, yeah. Just now they're hurt. Like they're yeah. yeah. And you know, they've, they've done well with like the stadium stampede matches, but it's always been like these collective that are, you know, almost some trios matches here and there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. This it's a little disappointing. It's not the worst, but it's, I, I can see yeah. why this would be something to take. Yeah, yeah, I understood it. And it's really, like you said, it's the expectation level. Yeah, way too high. Which is, it, it came in super high. hot. Yeah, yeah. Super, super hot with all the signings. They're like, oh, my God. And, yeah, it just hasn't lived up to the expectation level. Um, and then Christian Cage versus The Blade. I don't know what Christian Cage is doing, really. I think yeah, he, just, he's he just likes – yeah, he just likes wrestling. And yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that because he didn't know if he would ever wrestle again. And they just yeah. let him wrestle every week. And I'm totally fine with him being in a program with somebody like the blade. I don't need him in there with Kenny right now. I don't need that. Like let him just work. I think he's having fun. So that's, that's cool. I, you know, I do wonder what are his conversations like with edge these days? I think they're both happy as shit. Yeah. They should be like, Hey man, you know, the the whole thing, the, uh, (laughs) the wings thing with Paul Rudd, who thought, Yeah, (laughs) I think that's like every day for them because neither of them should be working right now, but here they are working good for them. I'm happy for them. Yeah. And they're they're genuinely nice guys. Like I've talked to edge a few times. I've interviewed a few times. It's like a genuinely nice guy that you should be happy for. Yeah. I'm happy for both of them. Cause I, again, I don't think he gets to do this if he stayed in WWE. Oh no. He made the right choice. Yeah. And I'm happy that they can both be happy so that he would have just been a pawn in any edge feud. This is yeah. perfect. Like he goes, he wrestles. That's his, he doesn't care about a belt right now. I would like to see him versus Miro. Miro murderer. Yeah. But I think that's an extended feud you can give me. That's believable. Probably. Yeah. You're probably right. He shouldn't beat Miro, but I, I think that would be dope. Promos would be good. Jesus. Miro is fun to watch. <laughs> oh my God. He's just crushing everyone. And this is a great use of, again, not the upper echelon talent, but guys just getting some work in on television, get to step in the ring against Miro and he gets to crush people. Yeah. And, and he doesn't just like squash him. It's like somewhat competitive, but he just overpowers everybody he's in there with. And it's a good use of his talent. I, I, I keep saying it. He's going to get his hands on that title. He's just too fucking good. Yeah. 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 I mean, listen, he's incredible. I love the way that they're building him again, not rushing him to the main picture and nothing built him perfectly. Well, 
And then Britt Baker. I don't know. She needs more talent and competition. Yes, that's her. That makes me care. Yeah, yeah. yes. Because she's she's over like Rover. I'll go as far to say she's more over than her husband right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She is. She is so over. But you can only be over for so long until somebody says, hey, who the fuck are you wrestling? Yeah, (laughs) you need a foil. (laughs) And that's not her fault. But I don't. I mean, her and Thunder Rosa are great, but we've seen that for so long now. Yeah, you got to start working with other people in the picture. Swole, you have hanging around. You got, I mean, Jade's not ready yet. So, no, I don't know if Red Velvet said either. No, Red Velvet was just somebody for her to beat. Yeah. But you got, you got to find somebody. You have to find somebody. She needs an opponent. And now, I would love to see them do a bracket, by the way. Like if they could do like a eight women's bracket and then she just watches them and does commentary every week to find her number one contender, I think that's a good, easy way to build the next person. There is, there is one name out there, one name, that I would be totally fine showing up and getting an immediate title shot with Britt Baker. Do you know what that name is? Is it Ruby Riot? Yep. I love Ruby. I, yes, I, let's do it. I, I don't like people going in and get title shots. We've talked about it before. I didn't like Brody coming in and getting an immediate title shot. It just, uh, it, there's nowhere to go but down. But in terms of Heidi Lovelace, Ruby Riot, she shows up as her, you put her in there with Britt Baker, that's money. And that's even a match at a pay-per-view that I would, and people would hate for me to say this, I would, wouldn't mind a non-finish to keep that shit going. <laughs> Listen, they're good every now and then when you don't spam them like a Street Fighter finisher. Like, like it's good. I'm, I'm cool with a non-finish every now and then. So, yeah, I agree. I think that would be dope. That'd be a great surprise for the pay-per-view. Yes, that's, that's Heidi Lovelace. If she hasn't signed up, so her rumors that she has, but that should be a priority. And she's and now Ruby Soho, by the way. Yeah, her and Mercedes Martinez. Sign them tomorrow. Oh, they could use Mercedes, yeah, like ASAP. Um, and it looks like she's still on NXT deal, so maybe it only takes 30 days. So, yeah, I, I think both have a spot. They just got to, yeah, start getting in more veteran talent that can work TV right away to let the people underneath build up. Yeah. So I think that's where they are. Uh, now, and that's where we are this week. So it's been a long show, a lot of good hip hop talk, a lot of good WWE talk. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We appreciate it. You guys listening all the way through as always follow us on social media at corner podcast, underscore on Twitter at corner club for life on Instagram. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andres Hale on all platforms, bringing you guys some new wrestling with stereotypes this month. So if you guys watch our other show, thank you. Be patient. A new episode is coming out next week. So that is going to be fun. Great guests lined up there. Shout out to Blue Eye of the Network. Shout out to all of our sponsors. We appreciate you all. Stay safe. If you're going out having fun, stay masked up. Let's be responsible. Let's enjoy ourselves. Be responsible. If you're coming to Vegas on the 21st for SummerSlam, hit us up. Let us know. It's our city. We'll be here. It's going to be fun and enjoyable. And we're going to be safe about it. So we appreciate you all. Until next time, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.